0: good to see you this morning we come to the end of a journey over the last six weeks we've been talking about this whole thing about what the difference between a fan and a follower is Um, by the way a second service uh, we're going to be having more baptisms actually we have six second services today and a lot of a lot of those almost most of those have videos that are are attached to that so if you'd like to uh, see the videos of the people that are being baptized second service you can go online this week at our website and they'll be uh, down there on the website later later in the week to Uh, you can share in that as well Uh, it's just really exciting to see what God's doing in the lives of uh, children and youth and and next service most of the people being baptized are adults and so uh, we look forward to what God has to share through that as well it's always a joy to uh, be a part of these services like this Um, this week as we conclude the service uh, I want to kind of go back to where we started when we started this series one of the uh, verses that I mentioned was in John chapter 6 uh, and if you have your Bible this morning, you might want to turn to that because we 're going to look at some passages out of John chapter six. Uh, if you don 't have a Bible with you you 're w- always more than welcome to pick up one in the back and uh, uh, and, and if you don 't have one with you, take it home even if you want to do that as well and uh, If not, in the bulletin there 's an outline, and on the outline is most of the scriptures it doesn 't have all the scriptures that that fill in the gaps there, but i 'll put the key scriptures in the bulletin today to uh, kind of keep you on track with things so you can look at those as well. But when we started this series, we talked about a scene in John chapter 6, which is a very common scene, something that, that um, it's very, uh, something we probably know about. It's it's a story about where great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and by now uh, in this life and in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus was at the height of his popularity, and word had spread about his miraculous healings and about his inspirational teaching, so huge crowds were gathered around Jesus to hear him and and to listen to him. And then we're told in this story in John chapter 6 that, that about five, it says in Scripture about 5,000 men. And now in that day, I to, I've told you this before, uh, and when they counted, they only counted men for some strange reason. So probably there was more like fifteen to 20,000 people here in this gathering because it was probably at least as many women and children as there were men. And so we have this huge crowd there. And Jesus, after this full day, and Jesus knew the people were getting hungry, uh, he turned to his disciples and he asked all these, he said, uh, ask what can we do for food? Uh, there's fifteen thousand mouths to feed, and uh, one of the disciples, Philip, who is probably a, uh, you know, uh, just a realist. You know, he's one of the in a crowd in a group there's always these people that you know they always see everything just as they are black and white there's the idealist a person who sees all the creative things and thinks what can be there's there's all kind of groups of people but philip being the kind of guy he is looks at jesus and he says jesus if we had eight months wages it wouldn't be enough to feed these guys it wouldn't be enough there's no way we could do it from philip's perspective there wasn't there uh the people weren't their problem and even if it was, he says, there's not anything we can do about it. But then there was this other guy, this, this other disciple, his name was Andrew. And Andrew, his name literally means the introducer. That's actually what his name translated in English actually meant, the introducer. He was a guy whose whole life has been focused upon, as a follower of Jesus, he'd been focused upon introducing people to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, let me introduce you to this guy. Hey, Jesus, let me introduce you to this person. And that was his whole deal. And so Uh, Andrew while Philip was going on and saying we can't do this Andrew had been scanning the crowd and he told Jesus of a boy in the crowd that had five loaves of bread and two fish You heard his story before now, right? Okay Popular story, but let me tell you a powerful story about what we're going to talk about today And I can uh, picture Andrew making this introduction to Jesus uh, With kind of a smile on his face. Hey, Jesus There's five loaves two fishes. I've seen you do some miracles man. I know you can do it again and so, uh, and that's, how he, he introduces Jesus to this boy. And Jesus dis- doesn't disappoint, does he? If we know the story, he doesn't disappoint. Jesus takes those, 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 those loaves and those fishes, and what he does, this little sack lunch this boy had, and 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 so the bible tells us that in a story he says what happens is is after jesus blesses the food and tells the disciples to begin to hand it out miraculously they start handing it out and they hand it out and they hand it out and they hand it out and everybody had their fill. It was just like all you can eat buffet and and that's what happened from this small thing and then we continue to read in the story in John chapter 6. And after dinner, what had happened was the crowd decides to camp out for the night because they knew Jesus was still there. They wanted to hang around with Jesus and, uh, and after he fed the entire, entire crowd. And so he, they want to be with Jesus the next day. And it would seem at this point in the story, as we look at all these people, they're, you know they're still hanging out with Jesus. They're even going to camp out there with Jesus. They even seem like committed fans, right? Are committed followers of Jesus, maybe at this point, but the problem is, is that maybe they maybe they weren't. As we learn, learn later, they weren't really the kind of committed people. They're more fans than followers. Maybe they were like the people on. You know what's coming up in about a month? What's coming up in about a month? What holiday? Thanksgiving. What's the day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday. You know, we'd never heard of Black Friday until the last in history. Black Friday was totally invented by commercial about people in, in, the, in retail to try to get us to buy stuff that we really don't need for people we really don't like and um right and so what we do but you know on Black Friday it started off years ago that Black Friday started like you know like at 8 a.m then it was 6 a.m and now it starts on Thursday before Black Friday and there's even people that'll camp out at places so they can be the first in line to get the incredible deal you know the 10% off on whatever or whatever it is you know and they'll camp out and you know they're committed fans of black friday i wonder if these people were kind of like that they were just waiting for the they wanted to be the first in the line to see jesus so they can get their miracle done and you know they could get the best deal from jesus and that's kind of what we see it because the next morning the crowd wakes up and they're hungry again and they're ready for a little breakfast and they're thinking well jesus did it the day before he's going to do it now And they look around for Jesus, a.k.a. their meal ticket, but he's nowhere to be found. And eventually they find that Jesus and his disciples had crossed over to the other side of the lake. And instead of going home, uh, these folks make the trip to the other side of the lake to be with Jesus. Many of them do. The crowd seems to have no higher priority in their life right now than being with Jesus. Maybe these people are, are more than just fans, it may seem. But by the time they catch up with Jesus, they're starving, and they've missed the chance to order breakfast, and, they're, not, and they're, they're ready to find out what's on the lunch menu. But Jesus has decided to shut down the all-you-can-eat buffet. He's decided to shut it down, and he's not handing out any more free samples. And in verse 26 of John chapter 6, Jesus says this to the, to the, to the followers there, the people, the people that are there. They're not really followers. They're fans. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He begins to ask them some questions. I mean, are you following me because of the stuff you can get? See, Jesus decides at this point to have the DTR discussion. We talked about this in the series. What does that mean, DTR discussion? You've been in a small group? You know what a DTR discussion is, right? Define the relationship. Define the relationship. It's that discussion we have anytime we get to the point in a relationship where it's going to become serious. And what we must do is we must understand that at this point we have to define the relationship. Is this going to be more than just this casual relationship? Is it going to be more than just being a fan? And Jesus asked him this question. He says, Truly, you're looking for me not because you really trusted me, you want to follow me, it's, it's because you had your feel, you, you got stuff. And he knows these people are not going to, to all the trouble and sacrifice because they're following him, but because they're following the food. And so he asked him this question because he, he says, makes this response. And he said, How would you respond when the drive-through window is closed? And in verse 35, Jesus offers himself. He, offers, he said, Okay, the drive-through window is closed, but I'm going to offer you something better. Something better. And he says this in verse 35. He says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He's going, I'm going to give you something better than food, something that will last all of your life, will last all of eternity. I'm going to give you myself. And this is where we come to the point, and then the point of the series, the point of the question is, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for me? That's what Jesus is asking. He said, I'm going to offer you me. I am the bread of life. I am the one that you need to focus your attention upon. So I want to talk about that today. There's some questions that that we need to ask ourselves. And the first one is this. When there are no other options, that's when you find out if Jesus is enough. When there's no other options, that's when you find out if Jesus is enough. I can. I, I've seen all kinds of scenarios in life where people found this out. And I'm going to tweak the scenarios and change the names to protect the non-innocent today, okay? But I can tell you, let me give you some, some, some scenarios about people who, when they had no other options, that's when they found out that Jesus is enough. And they had to ask that question. And it's a question we have to ask ourselves. Uh, let's say this guy's name is ed ed was a guy that i knew many years ago he was let go from his job he was an executive living an executive lifestyle he wasn't sure how he would pay the bills the stress was taking its toll not just on his marriage uh, but also on his health for the first time in his life he was not self-sufficient and for the first time in his life his prayers weren't just repetitive phrases he learned as a child he was really in need He was desperate, he turned to God in a way that he never would have if he had not lost his job. It was easy enough for him to be a fan of Jesus when he was making several hundred thousand dollars a year. He'd show up at church, just go through the motions. But for the first time in his life, it wasn't enough to be a fan. And I saw Ed become a follower. And he only learned it when there was no other options in life. Ed was not his real name, by the way. Kathy was was married for more than 20 years, another person I knew. Kathy was married for more than 20 years. And one day her husband came to her and said to her, I decided I want to be single now. I want to do my own thing. I've heard this story uh, lots of times. And since she was a young girl, she had gone to the same church. But because of the divorce, sadly enough, she felt that she could no longer go there. She didn't feel welcome there. She felt like an outsider because of what was going on in her life. And so she came to the church that, that I was pastor of years ago. She came there broken and bitter. And for the first time, this long lifelong churchgoer began to see how the Bible spoke directly to her. And each weekend, she said she felt like God was speaking right to her, and she decided to listen. In her loneliness and her bitterness and in her desperation, she heard the message of Jesus saying, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And for the first time in her life, when Jesus was all she had, she learned that Jesus was enough, and she became a follower. Now, she could have gone the other way. I've seen people do that as well. And then there was Paul. Paul was actually a real guy. The other were real people. I just changed their name. Paul, though, was a real guy. Paul's not. Uh, he's dead now. New England, Virginia, many, many years ago. And Paul, uh, his adult son, died after a long battle with a disease called Addison's disease. It's a horrible degenerative disease that causes your body basically to shut down. And his son, who was an adult, a high-powered uh, corporate uh, owner of a business and entrepreneurial type guy. Uh, he saw his, uh, Paul saw his son, his adult son, go through this disease. And Paul attended church every Sunday for for many, 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 many years. And he would sit through the services and go home, and church for him was just a ritual. But as he struggled with his son's disease and finally with his son's death, he decided to turn to God like never before. And as I, I performed the funeral for his son, for the first time I sensed God was working in his life. And I'll never forget this, but two weeks after, two weeks after his son's funeral, Paul walked down the aisle of that church and gave his life to Jesus Christ after attending that church for over 30 years. When God was all he had, he learned that God was all he needed. There are plenty of stories I could tell you. A daughter who's diagnosed with cancer, parents get divorced, the addiction seems unbearable, the future seems overwhelming, A relationship falls apart. There's all kinds of scenarios and, and something happens. Suddenly having a little bit of religion isn't enough for, for these people. And, and suddenly the spectacle, the fish and the loaves, and the Sunday service doesn't cut it. And in those moments, those times, Jesus, when he's the only thing left on the menu, they found out exactly what, he, what they need. He becomes their only hope. So here in John six, here in John six, we see this picture. We see the crowd has to decide if Jesus is enough. They have to ask themselves some questions: Are we hanging around for the perks, or is it really about the relationship? And do you remember what happens in the story here? If you don't, you can read it right in verse verse sixty six, John six six six, and then an entry verse. here's what we read it says from this time when jesus asked him this question you know i'm the bread of life are you going to depend upon me and not giving you the perks anymore i'm giving you the real thing this is what it says from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him see for for many people in the long run that's what happens Scripture tells us that the wide, the, the wide is the road that leads to destruction. In the end, whether we like it or not, most people, the Bible says, will not follow Jesus because they, they're more, they want the perks. And that's why this, this is such a challenging series that we've been in called you know, this whole thing of not a fan. is God's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. Because you can never experience the fullness of the Christian life when you're just a fan. And then we read a little bit further, and, and, and I don't know how, this, how Jesus said this, because when I read this, I'm thinking, you know, what was Jesus' attitude? Because we read in John 6, and he turns after all these people leave, these, these fans leave after getting the meal, and Jesus is just left with his disciples, his closest, his closest true followers. And then he, and he said, in verse 67, he turns to them and he says this, he says, you do not want to leave me too, do you? And I don't know why, how he said that. I don't know if he was frustrated or if he was angry. I don't know if he was disappointed or he was sad. Because it became clear why so many people were following him. But he was the son of God. I'm sure he knew what was, why they were following him to start with. But the, re, the frustrating thing is, and even though he was God, they must have broken his heart. It's kind of like this. Let me, let me just paint a scenario for you because I don't think we, I can can't put myself in a position and you can't put yourself in a position of how he must have felt because we're not God. Okay? But let me give you a scenario where you can put yourself in a position. Imagine for a moment that you, uh, you, you this is years ago for many of us, okay? Imagine that you, were, uh, you started to date someone. And you took them to the movies for their first date. And you paid for the popcorn and the drinks and the snacks. You paid for the tickets. And after the date, you ask them out again because you enjoyed the date. And so the next time you go out on a date, you said, I'm going to take them somewhere nicer. And so you go to a nice restaurant. Uh, You let them order anything they want off the menu. When the bill finally comes, you pick up and pay it. And with each date, you have more and more fun with this person. You feel this real connection to this person. And when you think just... Just when you think things are getting really serious, you decide to have a DTR discussion. But you're going to change the date. So you say, I'd like to take you out on a special date. And they agree, and you pick them up, and you surprise them by taking them to a park, and you go on a walk, and you talk, and you sit on the bench, and you pour out your heart to the person, telling them how much you care about them and how much you want to make them happy and fulfill them. And just as you finish pouring out all your affection to them, they look at you and ask, is this the date? Where are we going? When are we eating? And pretty soon you realize they're just hanging around for the things you've got for them. For the movie tickets, for the not free, free meals, for the entertainment. If you discovered that, would it break your heart? Yeah, sure it would. Some of you have experienced that before. I can only imagine how it was that Jesus felt. So he asked his disciples, the men he's grown closest to, he asked this question, whether or not they'll leave. Would his most devoted disciples, would they still hang around, even when everybody else was turning away? Would they abandon Jesus? And in verse 68 and 69, we read the response of Simon Peter, another of his disciples, the most impulsive one, but probably the one that emerged as the the greatest leader in the early church after Jesus It left this earth. And Simon Peter answered him. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And you know, that raises a second thing. It says, when you really know Jesus as Lord... You don't want to leave him. When you really know him as Lord, you don't want to leave him. See Peter's answer sums it up. To whom shall we go? I mean, where else can I go? Jesus because who could lead us like you could? Who who could teach us with wisdom like yours? Who could possibly bring us closer to God? Who why would we ever want to leave you, Messiah? Why, what, who else is worth following compared to you? I mean, that's a great question. Who else is worth following compared to you? How could we ever find someone else like you? See, fans will bail on God when his teaching gets difficult. When he asks them to sacrifice, when he asks them to take up their cross, and when he asks them to die to themselves, fans take off. And run away. And I really don't think that's because they just simply prefer comfort, even though that is one reason. I believe because they're not convinced of some things about who Jesus really is. Because if they really knew, they really knew in their heart that Jesus was who he says he really was, I'm convinced their actions would reflect that knowledge. If they really believed, if you really believed that Jesus was your ticket to heaven... The only way to get there would not that raise your level of commitment, just that alone. If you had full assurance that Jesus was really who he said he was, the son of God, if you could be completely and 100% positive that following Jesus would live, live to a life of eternity with God in a place of perfect everything, where we would worship and join the presence of the Lord, I'm confident that we would stick with it. Why wouldn't we, right? Why wouldn't we if we really believe that? If all of us believed and knew that with every ounce of our being, we'd have a much easier time swallowing some of the tougher things in Scripture. If all of us knew and believed the way those disciples did, I, I think we'd be willing to take a stronger stand on God's teaching when, it, when it's opposed to the world. If we all knew and believed that Jesus was Lord, I think we'd approach sharing our faith in a very different way. Because we would understand how important it is that we're sharing the words of life with people. But the, there's a problem. The reason so many people will turn away, there's a problem is this. The problem is, this. God doesn't act the way we wish, so we don't believe the way we should. God doesn't act the way we wish, so we don't believe the way we should. Let me repeat that. God doesn't act the way we wish, so we don't believe the way we should. The first half of that is tough. We wish that God... How many of us ever said this? We wish, God, you would just give me a sign. Just write it on the wall, God. Do like you did in the Old Testament with a big finger and write it on the wall. How many of you have ever said that? Maybe not that, but something like that. You know, you said, God, tell me, show me a sign. Let me see some vision. We said that. I mean, I've said stuff like that before. I mean, I wish God would speak to me through a donkey. I thought that was cool. Read the Old Testament. You know, um, the thing is, is, is God doesn't act that way, though, because... We wish God would just write it in the sky. We wish He'd give us a vision. We wish He'd speak audibly to us. We wish He'd send an angel. You know, I mean, how many people say, well, I have an angel that comes and told me, you know, and I'm going like, yeah, sure. And we wish He would do those type of things because we want more evidence. And let me just be honest with you. The Bible, the Bible, there is a lot of evidence that supports our faith in Scripture. A lot. But there's a lot of things about God that we only believe in faith. That we trust that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. See, life's not like that where he writes it on the wall for for most people or where he sends us some visible sign. It's not like that. It wasn't really like that for the disciples either. Did you realize that? Just because they walked with Jesus, they saw some of the things he did. They were able to witness some miracles, but eventually they had to choose to know and believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Choosing to know and believe is a choice that we have to make just like the disciples made. Because if we would believe with the same fire and passion the disciples had, I think our lives would look completely different. You know what a fair weather fan is, right? Fair weather fan. We've heard that phrase before. Fair weather fans. Me, football. I, I talk, you know, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, if it's below if it's below 35 degrees, I'm not going to a football game outdoors. You know, that's just not going to happen. Uh, I, you know, I, I, as much as no, I'm not going to say how much as I enjoy watching St. Louis on TV. You know, if it was I saw those people huddled up in Boston the other day, and I'm going well, like, I wouldn't want to be there even at the world series you know jesus doesn't want fair weather fans just just when the weather's thing things are going good things are great yell out and praise the lord see it comes down to whether jesus is enough for us that was the question here in john chapter six it's the question that continues to be for us is jesus enough is jesus enough and it comes down to whether or not you'll choose to move from being a fan to being a follower. I'm going to conclude by saying this. This is the last comment, and then we're going to close up and sing a song and go home and go into the world where God wants us to really be and to where we serve. See, we don't know the future. We don't know the future. Any of you know the future? Anybody here know the future? I'm sorry, you, I, I don't know any. Fortune tellers here already you know whatever. I'm not one. None of us knew what's going to happen this afternoon. We think we know what's going to happen this afternoon. Some of you have afternoon plans. You have meal plans, you have plans to turn on the TV and watch some football game or something else, or you have plans to do something this afternoon, right? But whether those plans are going to happen is still uncertain. None of us know the future, not not the future at a few few hours or a few days or a few years. We don't know the future. But I know one thing that's a, a fact. We can still trust him, in him, because I know who holds the future. Because followers trust in God. It's true. We don't know the day Christ will return. None of us knows that. The Bible says that we'll never know that. I don't count any many predictions. I'm the guy in California or in Arizona or wherever he was recently that predicted that was his fifth one. You know, he's still wrong. Um, we just don't know that. We don't know when our health might fail. And I feel pretty healthy for a guy my age now. But I don't know when my health's going to fail. You don't either. We don't know when our finances are going to plummet. Boy, is that uncertain in this world today with all the stuff going on we don't know when we'll die I don't mean to sound morbid that's just a fact and we never will but even though we don't know the future one of the things that I can tell you as a follower of Christ I do know is I know that I can trust God and Jesus Christ for my future I know that none of us want to be declared fans on judgment day do we yeah, i love yeah, Jesus, what are you? I'm a fan. No, that's not what we want to do. We want to be considered followers. And I know that we aren't offered guarantees at a lot of things in life, but Jesus does offer us a guarantee. Jesus guarantees that if you put your trust in him, he will not leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect or easy because he still leaves us in this broken, messed up world full of sinners, which we are one. And because of that, things happen. But he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll never fail us. And he guarantees that if you stake your life on his message of truth, he will stake his life on your eternity in heaven. Jesus guarantees that if you put your trust and your hope in him, he'll guide you to an eternity with him, with God the Father. We don't know the day but we can know that we can trust him. And the the scripture tells us that it is by Jesus alone that we can be saved. So you have to decide, fan or follower? Fan or follower? That's the only choices you have. Because of all those guarantees. See, the guarantees that God gives to us there about eternal life and stuff, they're for followers. They're for followers. You know who spoke those words uh, up in John... In John 6:67 6, says, "To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One sent from God." Only a follower can say that and con- with convent- conviction and believe it. So the challenge for us all today is this, are we fans or are we followers? And I will tell you that the only thing that God has planned for us and all the promises in his word are for the people who decided to follow him there was an old song many years ago and this week if you're in your small groups and you watch the video for your small groups at the end there's this old hymn it's called i have decided to follow jesus anybody remember that one? some of you grew up with that i did it's a great old hymn if i thought have thought about it early in the week and i got the band to play it but i forgot about it so anyway too bad they're gonna sing another cool song in a little while though but i have decided to follow jesus and you know what i thought about that in light of this message series I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That's what it says. That's exactly what God wants from each of us. And each one of us can make that decision today if you've never done it before. So let me just pray with you right now. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.